Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for May 18th, 2016. Today's topic is about knowledge management in the contact center. Of course, if you're listening live, I'd like to invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions, and it's really easy to do that. All you have to do is email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com. That's spelled out B-R-I-A-N at benchmarkportal.com, and I'll try to get your question in as we go through the show. So, of course, if you are looking at some of the other topics that we have for uh, Call Talk, I want to let you know we have five seasons of Call Talk on our website. You can download them or listen to them anytime that's good for you. Just go to benchmarkportal.com and find our Call Talk section, and away you go. So, speaking of getting away and getting going, let me introduce the host of Call Talk, Mr. Bruce Belfiore. Well, thank you very much, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. I think you'll really enjoy today's show. A distinguishing characteristic of superior contact centers is superior knowledge management, putting together the people, process, technology, all those components to get information to the call center agents and to customers more quickly and more reliably. So today we brought in an expert on the topic for you, Brian Golden. Welcome, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Bruce. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Brian is a partner with Call Center 411 and brings more than 25 years of experience in contact center operations management, design, and process engineering. He has extensive experience both working internally in line management as well as externally as a consultant. Brian has developed key competencies in customer interaction management, organization development, sales support, and strategic planning, and he's applied his experience on behalf of a wide range of organizations, including United Health Group, AT&T, Atmos Energy, Allstate Insurance, Amgen, Toyota, Convergys, and the United States Department of the Interior. So he's got a broad range of companies that he's worked with. Uh, Brian holds a master's degree in organization development from Pepperdine University and is a certified facilitator of the Implementation Institute's Practicing Implementation Effectiveness Workshop. He has numerous professional associations and was a keynote speaker at the Singapore Institute of Management and spoke as well at our Benchmark Portal Call Center Campus Symposium in April of 2016. So we're really excited to have you here. And uh, Brian, to start... Why don't we start off with uh, why do you think this is an important topic for contact centers today? So, Bruce, um, most of today's contact center representatives would fall into a category of what we would call knowledge workers. Traditionally, when we think of knowledge workers, it's people more like researchers, academics, scientists, or programmers. However, if we define a knowledge worker simply as a person whose job involves handling or using information, most of our contact center representatives would fit that definition. Even in those centers where the contact types used to be more transactional, as products and services become more complex, the burden of knowledge on our contact center agents in terms of what they need to be prepared to provide to customers is getting bigger and bigger. And while I think all of us have seen and recognized this, I'd like to share just a couple of facts and figures that demonstrate that point. Uh, Mm -hmm. First, according to Gartner Group, 80% of business today is conducted on unstructured information. And furthermore, that unstructured information or data doubles every three months. Wow, that's an incredible amount of information. 
And uh, that rate of growth is incredibly mind-boggling as well. And I'll ask you to define unstructured data in a minute. Uh, but uh, before we talk about how contact centers approach managing this, um, you know, just uh, to focus for a second on what you said about knowledge workers, uh, really think about how society today thinks about knowledge workers. And think about if every time we have an incoming group of uh, agents that we're going to train, we basically say to them, you are the knowledge workers for our company. You are at the coal face, the people who are interfacing with outside uh, customers who want that knowledge. I think that would really be a good message to send to your, uh, your, your employees, to your agents. So it's one of the things that I might ask the, uh, the listeners to consider doing when they have a new group of people coming in. Make them know they are the knowledge workers for the company. Great point. Um, but, you know, before we talk about contact centers approach in managing knowledge management, can, can you tell me some of the risks or downside to an organization for not figuring out how to manage this well? Absolutely, Bruce. Uh, as you can imagine, and as most of your audience probably has already seen, ineffective knowledge management can impact many of a contact center's key performance indicators. Not providing your contact center staff with effective tools to access the information they need can affect your first contact resolution, which many would say is the top metric in their contact centers. If agents are feeling pressure to resolve contacts without having the necessary knowledge or information, uh, that, then, you, um, then our customer services quality and accuracy can suffer, which will ultimately affect customer SAT scores, as well as drive up your overall volumes from customers calling back to get the correct answer that they didn't get the first time. When your agents are spending time searching through poorly organized resources to find answers, it's also going to increase your talk times and handle times. A couple more facts just to drive this home uh, from other sources. Internal, International Data Corporation has found that knowledge workers spend 15 to 35% of their time searching for information, and that 40% of corporate users reported that they can't find the information that they need to do their jobs on their intranets. Finally, an HR Magazine article estimated that Fortune 500 companies lose roughly $31.5 billion a year just by failing to share knowledge. Your contact center managers who are listening know that almost all the metrics we discussed translate into higher cost, so they know exactly what's contributing to that figure. Yeah, they, they sure do. That's a, that's a great point, and I think, uh, you know, as call center managers, our listeners should keep in mind the great financial benefits that come with uh, a knowledge management upgrade. Uh, those numbers that you were just citing with regard to those people who can't find the information, who have to search for the information, uh, and in terms of both the satisfaction levels of the customers, the satisfaction levels of the agents, right, the CSRs who are desperately wanting to give good service but are not able to because they're not uh, provided the tools to, to find the information. And in terms of the financial impact of that, it's, it's really uh, very, very important for us to think about it. I mean, it's, it's easy to calculate. If your center utilizes, let's just take something real easy, uh, 2 million minutes in talk time per year, you're able to reduce the talk time by 5% because they're able to find stuff more quickly. And that should be pretty easy to do. Uh, think about the savings. If your cost per minute is close to a dollar an hour, 
then your savings, or I'm sorry, dollar a minute, uh, then your savings range is uh, that times uh, 100,000 minutes or $100,000. I mean, that is a, a fabulous starting point for an ROI analysis on, uh, you know, upgrading your, your knowledge management system. And, uh, you know, that could be an analysis that looks very, very good for you at the end of the day. Um, well, let, let's get to what they uh, start to, to do what, get to what you mentioned earlier in terms of the unstructured data, uh, which, you know, based on the term alone sounds pretty unwieldy. Can you tell us exactly what you mean by unstructured data? Yeah, I can. But first, let's take a step back and just define what we mean by knowledge management so that we kind of establish a foundation for that. Without getting too academic, I'll start the, by saying that when we're referring to knowledge management as it relates to the contact center, the focus is primarily on information management, including the unstructured information we've mentioned, as well as structured information and social information, all of which I'll get to in a minute. But first, let's define information management, which is simply the collection and management of information from one or more sources, the distribution of this information to one or more audiences, involving those who have a stake or right to that information, and finally, the management or organization and control over the processing, structure, and delivery of the information. I'd just like to put some definitions out there so that we're all on the same page regarding what we're talking about. Okay, great. And this would be a perfect time to get back to the definition of unstructured versus structured data so that our audience really understands what we're talking about. Absolutely. So there are three main types of data that we're typically dealing with. The first is structured data. This is the kind of data that fits well into rows and columns of a database. So you, most of our, our managers and especially our information technology people are very familiar with that. Next is your unstructured data, which consists of more complex assets. This could be something like a technical diagram or user guides, policies and procedures, or even images or videos. And then finally, you have social data, uh, which is also a subcategory sort of, of unstructured data. This is that sort of tribal knowledge that often develops and is shared organically by people in your organization who've learned or developed it from their experience. Some of this even comes from outside your organization. For example, more and more with high-tech products, we see user groups and other external communities that are sharing information about our products. All of this falls under the category of social data. Mm, okay, now that, that's very helpful to know. And as an organization, what, what's the best way to manage these three different types of data so that it's useful and so that we can actually make sense of it and leverage it? Good question, Bruce, and that's actually kind of the, at the core of what a knowledge management strategy would be is addressing that question. So let's start with the structured data. Since this is data that easily fits into a database, wherever possible, you should bake this into your systems and processes. So for example, this information is leveraged as the business rules that drive your technology. This way, your staff doesn't necessarily have to remember all of it because it's managed for them based on the way their desktop applications and other tool work, tools work. In fact, they don't even have to look for it or find it, much less remember it. Next, you have the unstructured data. First, I challenge people to look at their unstructured data in creative ways to figure out if there is any way to put some structure around it to turn it into structured data. Beyond that, the most important thing is to ensure that it's both searchable and findable by your staff when they need it. 
And one of the things that I also want to mention is, Bruce, you talked earlier about some of the other kind of business case components to knowledge management. And one of these also has to do with, uh, with training and onboarding of new agents in your, in your contact center. The more that you can, A, bake this, all this structured data into the processes so that they don't even have to think about it, and then also make all of the other unstructured data searchable and findable, uh, the, the less training and knowledge transfer you have to do to a new employee. It's more about training them on the tools and the resources to find what they need and focusing on the basic concepts than really conveying all those details, which can really help to reduce your training time. Um, you know, we used to see sometimes uh, in call centers, people would be in training for six, seven weeks uh, in more complex organizations. And most organizations just can't afford, A, the, the cost to train people for that long, as well as on top of that, a lot of times uh, you need to have those people be able to come up to speed and on the phones faster. So, so, when it, so you really have a, a, the advantage of uh, compressing your time to competence in a significant way, and at the end of the day, you also have an enabled and more agile agent who's able to, uh, to give better service. Exactly. And you don't have to bring them as that information increases, like we talked about it doubling every three months, you aren't constantly having to bring them back into training to, to cover all of that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about... Um, back to your question about what to, what to do with this exactly. So this is where, here's where the concepts of metadata and taxonomy come into play. And those aren't terms that most of us use every day, so I'll just explain what each means. The metadata are the keywords that we attach to different assets or information objects like documents or videos or images that an employee might type into a search field when looking for those items. And taxonomy is simply the way we classify or organize those objects within a menu structure. You can think of it this way. We do use taxonomies in our everyday lives all the time, from shopping various, uh, from shopping various departments or categories on an e-commerce site to looking for a movie that we would want to watch on Netflix. Even the way that products are organized within the aisles of a local supermarket is a taxonomy of sorts because it's what helps people to locate what they need. So in short, metadata is what makes something searchable, meaning that you type phrases into a search function to locate them, and taxonomy is what makes things findable, meaning creating those logical paths that most users will be able to follow to find something. Okay, no, very very interesting and important definitions. Of course, uh, Brian Carrington, you and I use the word taxonomy and metadata every day, don't we? I mean, pretty much in our... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of course. So that's just, yeah. <laughs> uh, at least around uh, April fifteenth, we use taxonomy. No, those are uh, really important uh, <laughs> uh, concepts to 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 put in here because if we don't have really a framework, uh, a conceptual framework for organizing this data and actually uh, getting to it, then uh, you know we're we're really not starting in the right place. So there's a lot of really good theory there, Brian. And I think you can appreciate that the question on many of our listeners' minds is regarding practical application. So how do I get started on undertaking a product project like this? Well, I'd say the very first step is to engage whomever will be the main consumers of you, or users of your knowledge management tools and systems, which in the contact center will be your agent staff. 
Their engagement is going to be critical throughout the entire process. You'll want to understand what their needs are in order to start building out the requirements for any technology you'll implement to support it. You'll also want to identify and gather all those tools that they've created organically and started to share informally with one another because those are all the items that will need to be part of it. They're especially critical when it comes to identifying your, uh, your metadata or keywords. Your staff is especially critical then, as well as your taxonomy. These items need to not only include the formal naming and language around everything, but also the language that your agents use every day to refer to it and the language that your customers use, uh, which obviously your agents will be the best experts for you on that, uh, except for where you can talk to your customers directly about it. The same approach is necessary with the taxonomy. Everything needs to be organized and classified the way that they think about it and understand it because they're the ones that will be navigating it. The next step would be to identify all the main sources of information that you have that you'll need to have included. Almost all organizations will have that formal corporate knowledge or information as well as the more informal agent knowledge that you'll want to capture and include that we just talked about. Besides that, you might have information from business partners, for example, that should be considered. Or for consumer-focused companies, you'll want to gather and include some social knowledge shared by your customers, as well as any knowledge from communities like user forums. So understanding where your information co is coming from and the type or format in which you're able to gather it will be key to your requirements and is a great next step for ultimately driving any technology solution uh, decisions to ensure that it can accommodate all of those sources and types. Yeah, wow. I mean, I, I think going forward, this is going to become a very interesting area because you think about incorporating uh, information from CRM systems, from the systems that you were talking about, in order to give a fuller, uh, more nuanced uh, set of information to your uh, agents ultimately to the customers themselves so that they can uh, come to decisions and get the information they're looking for. Uh, there's going to be some exciting uh, and, uh, in some cases, confusing things that we're going to have to deal with going forward. Um, my, my prediction is there's going to be quite a bit of disruption uh, in this area uh, going forward as we get better at uh, pulling databases together and, and mining them for information that can be used. But uh, it's going to take a while to get there, there's no doubt. So, so this sounds like a, a really good start. Um, are there any other sort of current best practices that you would share with us regarding the development and ongoing management of a knowledge management platform? Yeah, there are, there are quite a few, but just a few key ones come to mind right now, Bruce. First, I'd say to not just consider an internally facing solution for your agent staff, but look at creating a version that is customer facing. So as you go to the effort of pulling together your knowledge resources, making them findable and searchable for your agents, see how much of that you can also make directly accessible to your customers and in a usable format. That's going to enable more self-service so that you can maximize your internal resources. And if done well, it's also going to improve customer satisfaction among those customers who prefer self-service. Also, mm -hmm. just like I said earlier, uh, that you should engage your staff in the development, especially the organization of information and keyword tagging, where possible, you should engage customers in this effort as well to gain their perspective and maximize usability for them. Mm -hmm. Another one is to recognize this is an ongoing effort impossible to do it all at once, and 
it's never finished because as I pointed out, new information and knowledge is generated all the time as your, as your organization evolves. You'll need to continually work to keep the content updated and make sure that you're also make sure that you're archiving or removing old con content that is no longer relevant so that it's not right. getting in the way. Yeah, I, I think this is really key that uh, people understand that maintenance is just so important on this. And, and really maintenance uh, and uh, upgrading are on the two levels that you've talked about. One is uh, the information uh, that your you know, agents need to know about, your CSRs need to know about, and your customers need to know about or will want to know about. That's continually evolving. And then the manner in which it's delivered, which is more a technology type thing as we go forward, uh, and is is something that you also have to stay up on. So it's uh yeah it's a big challenge. This is not sort of a fix. It's uh, really something that has to be kept after uh, over time. Yeah, and it needs to become part of the culture of the organization, right, Bruce? Because uh, yeah. because that ongoing maintenance, I think, is also part of why it seems sort of overwhelming to some organizations and they and they don't undertake it because they know that it's they know that it's never going to end but one of one of the things that you can do is if you really build into into the process and and just really build into your culture the idea that everybody's responsible for it and put it in the hands of your agents and rather than saying oh we need to have dedicated resources to always be generating this information and, and these artifacts and that kind of thing. Count on your agents to do that because they're the ones um, that are going to really provide the horsepower behind this and, mm -hmm. uh, and really give you the volume of information that you need to keep up with it. And really what you just need to have in place is a, is a mechanism for them to do that and, uh, and also a vetting process and just the resources to be able to validate what they're contributing and, and get it published. So the next yeah. thing I would say is engage your users, including your employees, at every step. Um, we used to say that this, was, this process was one-third people, one-third process, and one-third technology. At this point, having worked with it a while, I would say it's more like 80% people, 10% process, and 10% technology. So yeah. like I said, you'll need to rely on your contact center staff to be generating the content. And it also is going to require that you have that solid governance and publication and process so that the content that they generate can be vetted, revised as necessary, approved, and published quickly. Quickly is a key word there as well because uh, you want to get this information out so that people have access to it as quickly as possible. It's also, um, it's also just from a recognition perspective, it makes your agents feel better about contributing things whenever they know that it's going to get used and published right away. That encourages them to continue to do that. Yeah, and then On the part about that, publishing, I, actually, if I could just interject here, the part about publishing can actually become a point of pride for the, uh, the people who work in the center because they actually become part of the knowledge management systems, not simply users of it, as you indicated. And in one situation that I'm thinking about that involved a uh, tech support center for large copying machines, uh, what would happen is that uh, when an agent, when a, some a frontline person found that they had discovered something that wasn't in the knowledge management system, they would be responsible for uh, writing up a what they called a white paper 
right, which was basically here's the problem and here's the solution. And then there was a uh, process that would go through in terms of the vetting, which you mentioned, uh, where the, um, uh, you know, supervisors and the managers made sure that the information was correct and checked back with anybody uh, if they needed to. And then it was published and it had their name on it. And they were very proud of the fact that they were part of the whole uh, knowledge management system. They became, you know, uh, writers in the library, if you will. And uh, that can have a good impact on um, on morale, too, as long as there's good support, because some people don't consider themselves good writers. But if they have the good ideas and they have the knowledge and then they're supported in the writing part, then that can be really, really important. Yeah, and what I've seen is that some people aren't some people aren't necessarily great writers, but some people are great at um, at developing tools and other mechanisms and even ways to um, to convert, you know, to to structure data as well. So they may not be great at at uh, you know writing an article, but they may be excellent at putting tools together that are going to be very useful within your within your knowledge management structure. So. And others, uh, others may be good at just really evaluating. Some people aren't great at composing things, but they're also really great at revising or, you know, calling out how to improve something. So finding those strengths of your of your employees and and giving them the opportunity to leverage those strengths in this process is really key. We also talk about we generally encourage people or encourage organizations to find ways to reward people for their contributions in this area. But as you said, a lot of times just the pride of um, having ownership and having a voice in the process and seeing something get published and used is uh, is enough. And on top of that, um, you should also provide a mechanism for users to rate the usefulness and relevance of items that they find in their searches such that those items rated highly get more prominently featured in future searches. And a lot of times when you have various uh, contributors in the organization uh, doing that, that will almost kind of accidentally create sort of a little competition between like how, how highly rated their contributed pieces are and almost turns into a little bit of a, a gamification piece that uh, wasn't even formally structured. And mm -hmm. finally, um, you know, as I said, uh, you know, make sure that you can reward it if possible, and then do what you can to integrate knowledge management into other tools and information systems. Again, the more that you can incorporate it into your business rules, so your staff doesn't even need to think about searching for something, the better and make it as seamless of an experience as possible for them to navigate their tools to get the information they need when they need it. Obviously, simple is best. Uh, those of us who work in, in this space and, and in call centers in general know that simple is never easy. So to get something that is simple to use requires a lot, a lot of thought in the development process. Right. No, excellent point. Excellent point. Well, it, these are all great points, and uh, I know that we have some questions that have uh, come in. So, Brian, uh, why don't we hand things over to you so you can uh, you can ask those questions. Brian uh, okay. Carrington. 
Okay, perfect. Yeah, I do have a couple questions, and uh, it was interesting, kind of the breakdown that you just gave us earlier, uh, Mr. Golden, in the the 80, uh, 10, 10%, you know, talking about agents being important, but uh, this question is looking at maybe just one of the 10%, and that is the technology side of it. So Mark has emailed and asked, uh, what are the major technology platforms that you recommend for implementing a knowledge management solution in a call center? So that's a that's a good question. We get asked that a lot, and there there are a lot of platforms out there, and all of them obviously have their relative strengths and weaknesses. So it's important that you identify your requirements up front to make sure you are evaluating systems based on your organization's needs. Uh, when it comes to specific platforms, I can't talk about CAM platforms without talking about SharePoint, since that's what a lot of people automatically think of. In my experience, SharePoint isn't the best tool. However, it does have far more capability than most organizations using it actually leverage or even give it credit for having. So it typically ends up looking more like a repository than a knowledge management system with almost no searchability or any of the other key features that we talked about. One advantage of it is that it has, one advantage that it has is that a lot of organizations already have it. So it's easier and faster for you to procure than a standalone system in that case. And, and as I said, it does have far more capability than a lot of people realize. So if you believe your needs are fairly simple and you decide to go that route, I would just be sure to engage the help of an expert in the configuration and deployment of it. Another, um, another product that has good capabilities in this area that a lot of people have or already use is Salesforce. And for standalone tools, I would say our consultants like WordPress, Drupal, and Alfresco. Alfresco is identified as one of the visionary players in this space by Gartner's Magic Quadrant, so that's definitely one to look into. But I would stress that overall, with whatever tool you choose, how you configure it and how you implement it is far more important than what technology platform you're actually using. So uh, keep that in mind with your implementation. Yeah, amen. No, I agree with that in terms of implementation is so important and uh, making sure you really understand uh, the capabilities of the system is key because so many people underutilize what they've already bought. So anyway, back to you, uh, Brian Carrington. Okay, great. Uh, this one comes from Linda, and she's asking, in our organization, this just seems like a huge undertaking that would take a lot of effort to get off the ground. And as you said, it's an ongoing effort. What do you recommend for an organization that has a lot of information resources that needs to be organized and managed, but almost nothing in place yet? Hmm. So as I stressed earlier, make sure that you're leveraging your, your agent population as a lot of the horsepower for the identification and the development of content going forward. But to get started, I would say figure out what you have and prioritize what are the most important pieces or areas, what's, what's really causing you and your agents and the customers the most pain um, from not having this kind of a tool or this, these kinds of resources organized well. And when doing this work with clients uh, in terms of implementation after you've done the prioritization, what we found is that an agile process of project management works well for this kind of effort because it focuses on delivering usable pieces of the functionality early on and adding to that over time so that you can really get something off the ground and put something in the hands of your of your agents with regard to those 
high priority items and build out the rest of it over time. Because providing content and a structure to your staff uh, will help in engaging them to create more content because they start to have a framework for what it can do and they can see the results of their effort faster. So, and at least to get things started, it also helps to engage outside help if needed, just to assess what you have and how best to leverage it, as well as identify your requirements to support the selection of the right tools and build out that initial overarching structure. Yeah, uh, these are important, important uh, considerations, and I, I'm just thinking once again of the financial uh, calculus that uh, I talked about earlier and how implementing a good knowledge management system can be somewhat disruptive, somewhat difficult, uh, but can also potentially have one of the highest ROIs of anything that you can do in your, your call center. So keep that in mind. The um, financial calculus here can be extremely positive, and also in terms of just uh, improving workplace uh, morale can go up and therefore reduce the amount of turnover because actually one of the reasons that people do leave, our studies have shown, is frustration that they don't have the tools necessary to service uh, their customers well. Therefore, their customers are, are not happy, and, and it turns a, it on to them, and they aren't happy either. So, um, Yeah, great. Well, I know we've gotten sort of to the end of our time here. Brian, if there are no more questions, maybe we can uh, can wrap things up. Uh, Brian Carrington, that is. But I want to thank Brian Golden very much for uh, being with us and for sharing all of those insights. And uh, uh, thank you very much, Brian. Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you once again to Bruce and Brian for uh, all the great uh, discussion on knowledge management today. Uh, a lot to do. And as we hear, a little bit of effort to get there, but boy, sure worth the journey. So make sure you consider it no matter where your contact center is in its development. I also want to invite you to join us for all of our other great shows we have. Uh, over five seasons of Call Talks, different topics, different uh, discussions, different guests all over the board. It's found on our website at benchmarkportal.com. Download or listen to it anytime that's good for you. So from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, I'd like you to keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. Right here, signing you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.